Hello and welcome back to Wine Blast, where all you need is an open mind and a healthy thirst. And this episode is all about how to be a better wine lover. And, and the key term in that mix is wine. Why? <laughs> because, of course, we did ask people about this by way of research for this episode, and one bright spark got straight back and answered the question of how to be a better wine lover with write some sort of Venus Karma Sutra. <laughs> get it? Yeah? Yeah? Get it? <laughs> the lover, the I better love lover. It, anyway, I love it. Thank you, Daniel, for that. Uh, and then someone else on the same theme wrote in, don't get caught drinking around. So I'm not, I'm not sure that's this clever. was necessarily the direction we'd anticipated <laughs> no. this subject going in, but maybe that's our no. naivety. Yeah. Um, yeah. As for a, a Venus Karma Sutra, mm. the mind boggles. Um, yeah. But <laughs> don't think too long about it. But let's try and keep on the straight and narrow because yeah. this yeah. episode follows on from our previous one, mm. which was all about what we wine lovers want to see happen in the year ahead. A wine lovers wish list, if you yeah. like. Yeah, and we covered a lot of ground in that didn't we? Uh, we touched on the rise of English wine, um, mm-hmm. ending the war in Ukraine, um, improving no alcohol wine, was yeah. in there, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Better wine in cans, absolutely. Combating climate change, growth in organics, uh, the joys of travelling again yep. came out, yep. didn't it? Um, the importance of inclusivity too. So lots of stuff, you know, even the opening of undies. <laughs> Got to mention. Do you remember that? <laughs> that did. was a that was a high they point. They did indeed. I'm point. not sure how, but they did. Um, <laughs> it, it is important to to add though that however intrigued you may or may not be, you don't need to listen to that episode to make sense of this mm. one. Mm. Uh, because in this program, we really wanted to to hone in on how we mm. can all become better wine lovers. Thinking about what we might change or tweak or aspire to in the year ahead on mm. a personal level, mm-hmm. um, and that could be serious or fun or anything in between and it's self-improvement via a wine glass Mm. and which is probably the only form of self-improvement i'm interested in (laughs) amen to that yeah um should we share a clip Mm. by way of example why not not? and perhaps maybe to raise the tone of it (laughs) i think you've got to experiment you've got to embrace trying new things i also think that we um All of us, everyone needs to have less judgment what people actually do enjoy because the whole point of wine is that it's an absolutely delicious drink. Wine writer Libby Brody there on how to be a better wine lover. We'll be hearing more from her as well as Master of Wine Peter McCombie and Master Sommelier Garrod Devani. Uh, and we've had lots of views from all around the world, which we'll also be exploring, mm, won't we? Yeah. Uh, please do feel free to share your views on this topic with us. Get in touch. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And we will, of course sharing our own views as well. I do, love, we? I do love a bit of Lots oversharing. Lots of sharing. Lots of oversharing. And we'll also be tasting uh, and sharing some special wine in this episode. More details on that later on. Um, but to carry on this subject of sharing, I feel like I'm saying sharing a lot. <laughs> There's a lot uh, of sharing going good. on. Uh, before we started sharing. in earnest, we did just want to share the most lovely email we received. Mm. Uh, this kind of message is just the best. I cannot tell you how this kind of thing fills us with joy. Um, and it was from Francesca and Jacob. I hope I've pronounced your names right. Um, do you want to read this email yeah. out? Yeah, it, okay. it's okay. great. Go yeah, it. Yeah. So it goes like this. Dear Susie and Peter, we are two young wine lovers. It's very appropriate. Um, at the first stages of our learning journey, and we just love your podcast. Thank you. Mm. Um, after some listening, some time listening to the new episodes, we felt the urge to go right back to episode one of Wine Blast and we just had to replicate the wine food pairings you guys propose. 
So, here is a couple of pictures of our Bill Granger Mazaman meatballs on a Saturday night at our cabin mm. in the Norwegian forest. <laughs> um, we did not find the exact Riesling or Shiraz you guys chose, so we had to go for a, get this, Naked on Roller Skates 2020 and a Mount Trio 2021. We love both of them, but there was wide consensus about the Riesling being the perfect match for our dish. It had all the lime and elderflower aromas that your Jim Barry the Lodge Riesling did. Um, but being off dry, it was maybe an even easier pairing with the spices. It just made our curry stand out. Uh, keep up the good work. Cheers from Norway, Francesca and Jakob. Naked on roller skates. There we go. The risque <laughs> theme continues. Uh, just like the mentioning the, the Karma Sutra. I just thought Karma Sutra. Maybe. Oh, please. Move on. Move on. On that note, before, that I, before I do move on, which is fair enough, it's a fair cop. Uh, I have actually got something up my sleeve have in you? this sense, along the lines, along the theme of the Karma Sutra. Bunch of flowers. Uh, but I will save it for later. Don't ask now. <laughs> but you definitely don't want to miss this. Um, anyway, yes, mm. moving on. To clarify, this message did come with uh, a couple of photos, which were fantastic. And we'll put those up in the show notes on our site. Um, loving that Norwegian forest cabin ambiance <laughs> wow and yes i can confirm that naked on roller skates is a wine rather than a metaphor i, I believe it's a, a mclaren vale shiraz mataro blend from mm. some young punks um, looks like a really interesting wine i haven't tried it uh, and the mount trio riesling is also australian from uh, great southern which i suppose follows the lead we set with the australian wines for this dish yeah. you know we yeah. we had didn't we the the mm. killer shiraz as well as the jim barry riesling and um, mm. that was our first ever episode i can't believe that's amazing isn't it way back in april 2020 I know, there's a thought wow. <laughs> anyway uh, and we've we've worked our way through some pretty delicious recipes since then actually haven't mm, we um, yes. which are all well worth checking out but thank you francesca and jacob for doing that and sending us the pictures and um, we hope you have fun eating and drinking your way through the rest of the podcast mm. archive and um, just don't miss the umami bomb burger it will blow your mind I haven't been the same since that burger. No. I think I've been sort of half man, half burger. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> so, that big. Well worth trying. No, it's not It's not the bigness. It's the impact. <laughs> Maximum impact. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so Francesca and Jakob have already shown us one way to be a better wine lover this year, just to tuck in, you know, and not just to our podcast. That would be impossibly self-important mm. to suggest mm. that. Uh, mm. But to other wine podcasts as well, magazines, TV, books, wine book clubs, whatever, spread the net widely, get involved join the conversation yeah and tuck into your wine and food too don't be afraid get going treat your taste buds and try new Mm. things be bold be thirsty and this does lead us quite neatly on to some of the many views on this subject we received after we put the question out on social media and the question was how can we be better wine lovers this year Mm. now duncan nifton said buy more simple end of yeah another suggestion was Deeper glasses. Love that one. (laughs) It's a bit meta, isn't it? How deep can the glass go? Not bigger, just deeper. deeper. Um, And some suggestions were quite specific, weren't they? Uh, So one said, let's all drink more Lambrusco. Which I can't help random, but find but, you know. really quite compelling. It's slightly <laughs> random but quite compelling. I love that. I want to go just slightly tie with something at the end of our pod today, doesn't it? So uh, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, so yeah, I'm so going in another direction. In mind. Yeah, going in another direction. Simon Colwell said, uh, "Pour all the Pinot Gris down the sink." Oh, um, I'm not sure I'll be doing that, uh, Simon. Actually, Pinot Grigio maybe. 
but not the Pinot Gris. Oh, um, little bit pedantic, Mr. Richards. Fair, right, we fair, fair, know what he fair meant. enough, fair enough. But the sentiment is still strong and, <laughs> and honest and genuine. Uh, Danny Broughton said, drink better, drink different. Uh, that could be a different, that could be a mm. slogan for a political party, couldn't it? Mm. Mm. Uh, should we start a political party? No. no. Uh, well, you, well, anyway, <laughs> Rain Denneman wrote, um, drink less wine, keep it special. The only reference is quality. I'm afraid I tuned uh, out at, at less wine there. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I love keep it special. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. there's something yeah, in that. Keep it special. Now, okay. our, our colleague, wine writer Rupert Miller said, drink more sherry. No, uh, Riesling. Uh, so turn. Wait, um... <laughs> Love that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, love that. Yeah, so just the way he, he kind of brilliantly <laughs> sticks the knife into all of us winos who constantly go on about the likes of Riesling and Sherry and no mm. one ever takes the blind bit of notice, do they? <laughs> I mean, really. Um, and, and Tom Graves brilliantly rounded this off by replying to Rupert saying, you had me at drink more. <laughs> yeah. um, Dino wrote, pair food with wine, not the reverse. You heard it here first. So rather than saying, I guess, this is what I fancy to eat tonight, what wine's going to go with that, saying, this is the wine I want tonight, what can I eat with it? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's definitely one way to be a better wine lover, Dino. Let us know how you get on. And actually, you know, this is something we probably do all the time. And we had a very good example recently in our household, didn't we? Did we? Yep, we did. We did the other weekend. Um, um, so after, after I, I'll remind you, well, after what we felt like a, a very long week, I can't really remember why, but yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, you know, we knew... we it down. We, we, <laughs> It's every week, isn't it? We knew we wanted to taste some Burgundy ahead of the Burgundy en Primeur mm. tasting week in London. And I cooked not only porcini and truffle arancini. Remember that? Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. I've, I've, I've never made those, but they were amazing. Oh, oh, They're not that difficult word. to make. I thought they would be really difficult. They're my not. Um, I promise you. Uh, but they were they were fabulous, weren't they? We had them with some lovely truffle mustard mayo. Anyway, but I also cooked a lobster mac and cheese. We were going for it, weren't we? Oh. Complete oh. with a with a sort of a crunchy panko yeah. and chorizo topping. Oh. Um, again, we've never done that before, but um, but I always wanted to. And I am delighted to say it all went down extremely well with both the white and the red burgundy we opened, didn't it? I think I think I lost the Paris speech at at, uh, at that point, didn't I? After to be fair, that. though, I, I think that might just have been the quantity of wine we consumed, as opposed to the um, amazing food and wine pairing. A bit of both, <laughs> but honestly, the food was just. Bre- I mean, sometimes food can do that. I mean, some wine can do it, and and food can do it too. Yeah. Actually, anyway. So, oh yeah, yeah, no, very well said. Thank you for reminding me of that. Um, so anyway, yes, Dino, thank you for that suggestion. Go for it, lad. Um, and if anyone's interested in those recipes, you know, I'm sure we can we can rustle them up mm-hmm. if people. Want them, can't yeah, we? I could, I could. Uh, type probably share them in due course. Anyway, um, I'm not sure what wine would be the starting point for my truffle marmite. Oh, gosh. You know, perhaps the best Christmas present ever. <laughs> uh, and would that make me a better wine lover or a worse, worse wine lover? Worse, worse. Really? <laughs> in your world? Maybe, it would in my world. I know for a lot um, of people out there, I think it, was, it, was, it probably boils uh, down to personal divisive. taste. But anyway, I'm maybe that could be a quest fan. for a, another time. Mm, mm, maybe, maybe, maybe. Anyway, moving on. Um, I, I love this from, from Night Timber winemaker Brad Greatrex. Give a bottle of wine that we love to someone who isn't expecting it just because. Mm. Isn't that lovely? Oh, that's very lovely. I love that. I think if you all Thanks, did that, Brad. the world would be a nicer place, wouldn't it? I maybe a slightly totally tipsier, tipsier, tipsier place. place. But not, that's not a bad thing. You know, so if you if you maybe if you catch me hanging around the gates at night Timber, <laughs> trying to look like I'm not expecting anything in particular, you know, you'll know why. You know, and I'm I might glad. get hypothermia, just but look it'll at, look definitely out be worth from... it. <laughs> but anyway, following on from this on the same theme, uh, Matt Cockbill said, "Share." Just 
share. Mm. You know, our colleague Joe mm. Fatterini of the wine show TV fame suggested, yeah. Paulet, share your mm. best with others doing the same. The mutual enjoyment will be greater than the sum of its parts. Mm. And, the, then, and then John Veltier, well I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. I'm sorry if not, John. But he wrote along similar lines saying, do more group tastings with those bottles you've been saving for two decades. Yeah, this is all great. I mean, a Paulet, by share, the way, share, is, share. you know, if you haven't experienced one, it's a sort of bring your own posh bottle Paul party a. and it can be massive and you share and I'm gonna I'm gonna admit here I had to ask a ask Paul you this didn't I what it was I Paul didn't know Sounds better sorry um but you know I, I think sharing and caring through the medium of wine should be our mottos this year shouldn't it yeah um, absolutely why not Good one. So here's another suggestion of how to be a better wine lover that I particularly liked. Uh, it was from Lee Isaacs, another top human being uh, who we know well. He's also starred on the pod before. He said three words, listen, encourage, celebrate. And I think he's nailed it, hasn't he? Mm. He's nailed it in three words. Yeah, it's hard yeah, to follow indeed, that, really. Indeed. So how, do, how about we, we shift direction a bit um, slightly? Mm. Um, because um, a lot of responses touched on the subject of sustainability. Yeah. Uh, it's an issue that's clearly top of many people's agenda. Um, and how we as wine lovers can do our bit to mi militate against climate change. So Odile advised, drink only wines from sustainable farming, winemaking and packaging. Supporting winemakers who make the effort to move Move to into regenerative farming is a good pledge, and producers in Champagne and others need a kick to be on that path. A good old kicking. Why not? So that was a deal. Um, I think we, as consumers, probably sometimes underestimate our people power, don't we? Mm. The way we can sort of vote with our feet and our wallets. And yeah. Now, Champagne recently came in for a bit of a kicking in the press, and after it was reported that the authorities there were doing a U-turn on a commitment to eliminate chemical herbicides use in the region's vineyards by 2025. Um, we won't go into that here, I don't think. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily what Adil was referring to, actually. But the point is, we can all make informed choices about what we drink. Uh, and the more producers that are farming responsibly and doing their bit to minimise their impact on the planet the more people will want to buy and support them. Absolutely. I suppose it's up to us as well as communicators yeah. to work out who's doing what. And who's doing what and who's doing the right thing. Inform everyone. Absolutely. Um, and Kyle at Piccinino wrote, take a stand against wine in overly heavy bottles. Mm. Um, shocking, they're still a thing. Yeah. I think yeah, you're yeah. right, Kyle. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a sentiment we heard quite a bit. Also the desire to seek out wines in alternative formats like yeah. cans or bag in box um, and give them a try, partly with sustainability in mind. Um, then Ian Lindsay moved this on further, saying, if we want to continue to enjoy wines from historic terroir, we must support sustainable wine in the vineyard, winery and especially in transport and packaging. Some producers do their bit. Educators and consumers must too. Yeah, so we just mentioned that, haven't we? Um, so collective responsibility, I think that's quite right. You, mm -hmm. know? Um, you might add that government may have a role to play in there too. You know, maybe with tax incentives for people doing the right thing, for example, with, with alternative packaging. Anyway, another way to be better, more sustainable wine lover uh, is to shop Local. Um, Shannon Skinner said, support local winemakers. Uh, Anna B voted to try something local or at least UK produced. Um, Michael Collins wrote from Ireland to suggest, drink mostly wines from our own continents, uh, lower carbon footprint. Uh, I would have suggested countries, our own countries, but we can't really make wine in mine. Oh, I don't know, Michael. We may yet see a great Irish wine. There is Irish wine. It'd be yeah, fun, wouldn't yeah. it? Um, but the general idea is, is, is a nice one. Yeah, um, yeah. That said, unfortunately, it's not always as simple as mm. local equals 
mm. lower carbon footprint, mm. if only it was. Yeah. Um, it really depends on how the wine was shipped and packaged. It it can apparently be better for the environment in some cases to ship from New Zealand or Australia than truck wine up from the south of mm. France by yeah, road, which exactly. is extraordinary, really. And yeah. um, so maybe that's just one to to investigate a bit further. It's not it's not clear cut. And mm. um, it would be good to have some sort of clarity on this. In yeah, fact, totally. It? Which is still a bit lacking, isn't it? But you know, it's hard to find out what wine comes with what impact. Um, but generally speaking, you know, I think buying as local as possible is a good way to go. You know, to avoid the uncertainty, and it certainly works for us with English wines, doesn't it? It does. Um, yeah. Moving definitely. on, the Bib Wine Company suggested: How about being open-minded to all people? and types of wine. Um, it's all too easy to dismiss a person before talking to them or to dismiss a wine before drinking it. I like that way of thinking. Mm. Yeah, yeah. someone else wrote Less Prejudice. Um, and on this very same theme, here's what wine writer Libby Brody said in terms of how to be a better wine lover. I think you've got to experiment. You've got to embrace trying new things. I also think that we... Um, all of us, everyone needs to have less judgment what people actually do enjoy because the whole point of wine is that it's an absolutely delicious drink um, and it, it obviously has all these offshoots of a culture and poetry and geography and science and that's amazing but ultimately it's about what the individual is enjoying and I think, uh, I think we all have to accept uh, everyone else's personal preferences and embrace this and that makes you a true wine lover. Libby, thanks so much. Well said, Libby. Um, wine doesn't have to be complicated. It can be pretty simple and delicious just the same, can't it? Um, there is, of course, this whole you know fascinating world behind it, if you care to take an interest, but you don't have to. Um, and nor should any wine lover put people off by making the subject any more intimidating than it needs to be. That's really important. So Daryl Balfour said uh, said this, um, encourage people to drink wine however they like drinking wine. If that mm. means adding ice or soda to their Sauvignon or whatever, so be it. Um, and this was a sentiment echoed by Master of Wine Peter McCombie. I want people to learn to trust their own palate. Uh, my wife is, is Dutch and the Dutch are not short of opinions. She's very has strong opinions about wine. And, you know, she's, I don't always agree with her, but, but she's also right. And I think that's really, it's really important as wine lovers that we accept that there are different things that appeal to different people. And even when we try to be objective, which you, know, you and I do on a daily basis, the truth is we all have subjective opinions and we all have our biases and we all have our, our weaknesses even. And, and I think recognising those biases and weaknesses makes us better. That's a fantastic answer. Thank you very much, Peter. Excellent. Be humble was what Mario wrote, and it's kind of the same thing. Uh, Thompson and Scott said, be less cliquey, be open-minded, have more fun. Um, And I think this open-minded, more sort of inclusive mindset can also be applied to wine styles as well, can't it? You know, and this was a very common theme in, in these suggestions of how to be a better wine lover. So Pascal Jabour writes, uh, get out of your comfort zone, explore new grapes, blends, regions, and encourage young, innovative winemakers. That's nice. I mm. like that. I mean, we do need to foster innovation and creativity in wine, give things a, ch- a chance. You mm. know, we all tend to stick to, to what we know. So it can be hard and there will be disappointments, but surely it's worth a go. Mm. Um, mm. Charlie Langer, 
Bainbridge suggested break away from the big grapes and regions and find banging wines from crazy places, <laughs> weird grapes and rebel producers. I love the big names. Bourgogne is my vice. But everyone loves an underdog slash hidden gem slash amazing surprise. Um, and Philip C. Grombois wrote, spend less time beating the drum of first growth. Premier Crew, Grand Crew, Grand Reserva, etc., and open the world to the other 90% of winemakers. Yeah, I like the way this is being related back to people, you know, the winemakers. Uh, it makes it very personal. Um, mm. On which note, I'd like to bring in Master Sommelier Garrett Devani. There's still sort of a bit of pretentiousness about it. It's slowly but surely eking anything alive, but I think it's, yeah, it's, it is still a, something to be enjoyed and not to be sort of put too much on a pedestal. I mean, for sure, some people are doing amazing things and they need to be respected. And But, yeah, it's a, I always think of a, of a glass of wine with its place in the meal setting or with friends or in a social setting, and it should just be something that's not yeah, taken seriously in the fact that it's, somebody's taken time to make something beautiful, but not, yeah, not nothing pretentious, nothing sort of elitist, and surely some prices can sort of not help that situation, but I think overall... Yeah, I think when I first started in the in the wine trade 25 years ago, it was yeah, it was definitely a different environment. And I think, but yeah, keep keep that effort up. I think. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, thank you. Putting wine on the table, not on a pedestal. I love that. Mm, you know, yeah. discover the world was one suggestion of how to be a better wine lover. And Stu said, try new stuff. I know what I like, but I'm going to push it. Try things I've never had or had a desire to have. Open my mind a bit more. Yeah, yeah. So interestingly, I think a lot of people tended to focus on sort of smaller producers and niche things in this in this context. For example, Mer Michael Serdikoff wrote, find small production wineries that make amazing wines, um, which is great. Uh, totally uh endorse that but we also had the opposite view expressed from christian miller who said don't ignore or bash larger producers especially co-ops and i thought that was really interesting actually you know because small doesn't necessarily mean good does it and big doesn't equal bad um and co-ops are often you know really important for local rural communities and they can make great wine so i think there's something really interesting in that i agree i mean it, it's it's not just about size or how mainstream the variety or wine style is mm. you know every producer and every wine needs to be taken on its own merits mm. um funnily enough changing subjects but following on from this point the folding hill wine company posed the question whether one way to be a better wine lover was don't buy or recommend wines from supermarkets. Interesting one. Mm, yeah. Bit controversial. Yeah, I think that's controversial. I think, you know, given so many people do their <laughs> shopping in supermarkets. Shopping in supermarkets. And they can, you know, offer great value and, and they're very user friendly uh, and places. Aren't a they? good range. You know? Yeah, yeah, and they'll a lot have of a really good range. Really good range. And, and, you know, the whole consolidation of retail is an issue in wine, and we'd all love to support smaller independent wine specialists as much as possible. I guess there's a balance to be struck, isn't there? Mm. You know, it's not a question of either or, but definitely try to support the smaller specialist shops or outlets within that. Mix. Yeah, and to that point, Tom wrote, work together to make independent retailers closer to the norm than the special treat exception. Mm. Big wine retail has its place, of course, but its ratio of category share to impact on margins, knowledge, discovery and quality across the board, quality across the board, shows scope for correction. That's, I think that's a nice way of, yeah. of thinking about being a better wine lover, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, well, nice so, and balanced. Um, Mike North also wrote in to say, not all supermarkets are created equal. 
which is true. also true. Let's leave that there. Now, I think it's just time to hear a final couple of views uh, before we come on to our wines. Uh, David Bennett said, enjoy the thrill of the taste like that. Mm-hmm. And, and Joe Dodsley wrote, I ask myself this question, I have to be a better wine lover, every day. And every day I come up with the same answer. I love wine for itself. I accept it in all its forms, with all its foibles. I love it wholly. Well said, Joe. <laughs> Be a better Amen. wine lover by letting your love for wine in all its glorious diversity grow and grow. Mm, yeah. And the rest will follow. Yeah. On which note, let's have a quick mm. word, shall we, about the wines we're enjoying. Absolutely. So we've got a couple of bottles here. We've got three bottles open, actually, haven't we? Um, they all tie in uh, with the themes in this episode. So the first is a real treat. It's something we've had in our cellar for over a decade. Mm. Uh, we've been keeping it for... Which you can't say about many wines. Not many wines. Uh, we keep it for a special occasion, you know. But given that we said in our last episode that every wine lover's wish list this year should include opening, not hoarding these special mm-hmm. bottles, do you think mm-hmm. this is a way to be a better wine lover? Mm-hmm. We've gone and done it. We've yeah. gone and cracked the screw cap on the <laughs> Atarangi Lismore Pinot Gris 2009. And we did it on a Monday night, didn't we? <laughs> Mad. Now, to be oh. really honest, we had serious reservations about this wine, didn't we? We know Ooh. how good Atarangi wines are. Um, and we did thoroughly enjoy, you've got to say this, we thoroughly enjoyed an older vintage of this particular wine mm. with home-cured ham oh. when we were in New Zealand um, and we were having supper with winemaker Helen Masters yeah, many yeah, years yeah, ago yeah. at her house in Martinborough. But she then that brought the this time. bottle with a few others with her to the to the UK when she came to stay with us in Winchester and that's yeah. over a decade ago now. Yeah. And yeah. shall we say the cellaring conditions since have not been perfect. Um, there's been various house renovations and the like. Yeah. Um, yeah. So not perfect, but wow. I yeah. mean, just wow. It's a stunner. It survived everything we've thrown at it. As we know, earlier in this episode, Simon Colwell said he wanted to pour all the Pinot Green on the sink. Well, Simon, just try this one before you do, please. Yeah. Please, it's glorious, isn't it? It absolutely it took my breath beautiful. away. Um, Simon, <laughs> I honestly did. Um, beautiful aromatics. You know, you've got dried apricot, ginger, some sort of roasted hazelnut, mm. some spiced cream, yeah. and then in your mouth, it's just it's succulent and rich, but still fresh, just the way you want. Mm great Pinot Gris to be, um, mm. you know, it, it, to differentiate it from Pinot Grigio. Now, it says on the label that it has 11 grams per litre, but it just comes across as as rich rather than sweet. Mm. You know, it's a, it's a mm. textural thing, isn't yeah. it? And that ties in beautifully with juicy acidity and that spice and, and the rounded texture. I mean, it, it's delicious. Yeah. Yeah. It still feels quite young, amazingly. Mm. Um, and it's brilliant with a kind of fusion Asian style of food. I mean, we had we had miso marinated mango, um, sorry, salmon and mango last night. And that that was that was beautiful. fantastic. Absolutely beautiful, wasn't it? So there we yeah. go. Something a bit different, a bit special. Uh, now, that vintage obviously isn't available anymore, but younger vintages are fairly widely available, mainly in New Zealand, Australia, Europe and UK, from what I could find from Wine Search. It's about 20 to 25 quid in the UK. So really very reasonable. That's Not perfectly, cheap, but it's perfectly very, affordable I think, I think um, and um, very great value. value for what it is. Yeah. But then we've got another wine here. Here, haven't we? We um, have. And this one's to tie in both with the theme of trying new things, keeping an open mind, and also drinking local. So it's the Ridgeview Sparkling Red Reserve Pinot Noir, a red sparkling from England. I'm just going to pour some more in my my glass while yeah. you carry on. So we get the fizz. Uh, yeah, it, it it certainly um 
it is a bit different. And, and you get that, that lovely haunting summer berry and warm earth aromas that you really want from, from mm, Pinot. Mm, um, mm. If we were being critical, we'd say it's it's a little bit short. It's a tiny bit bitter on the finish. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's, I, I, I'd just love to see a touch more dosage maybe in there to round it out a little bit more on the palate, give it a bit more succulence, maybe, maybe a bit more age in the bottle too to sort of bring out those earthy forest floor sides to be, mm. you know, make it even more savoury. But I think there's a, there's a lot going on here. Yeah, it's no, not, is. at the same time, it's not overdone. It's very Pinot and it's pretty well judged. Mm, um, mm, mm. Now, th- and this is the kind of wine for me you have uh, on a summer mm. evening, you know, with a plate of uh, mm. charcuterie and cheese, or maybe, you know, if mm. it's in the winter, nice casserole. It- it's just something a bit yeah. different and it's very much a food fizz. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, I'm, I'm never totally convinced by red sparkling wine I'd say it's, it's sort of a question of when would you rather have this than a normal fizz it's nice for something or, different or, or a good rosé sparkling mm. or just a straight red wine you know yes it is different fair enough you know but you know the yeah, best um, I think the best sparkling red mm. I've ever had was the Rye Mill the Bee's Knees from Coonawarra it just <laughs> do you remember that we both remember that don't it we it just yeah. tasted like a great Coonawarra Cabernet with a bit of livening sort of spritz in it and it just worked didn't it it just yeah, it was it amazing was great. so it, was you great. Know, it can be done and I, you know, also I can see your point about cold cuts in a warm evening with this one I think that yeah. would work I mean nicely. I'm really it's something different and we yeah, keep yeah. saying you know try something different Mm. Um, anyway that one's 55 pounds uh by the way and and only two and a half thousand bottles were made so it's a limited edition it's not cheap it's not cheap cheap, (laughs) but it's different um and you know give it a go you know Mm. and before we uh, finish i just wanted to quickly mention one last wine Mm. um this week is stephen spurrier's memorial Uh, he was a, a truly great wine lover and one of the loveliest men and he sadly died back in 2021 um, as we'd say, if you want to be a better wine lover, be more like Stephen. Humble, mm. he was enthusiastic, generous, he was always mm. encouraging. So to toast him, we have opened a bottle of his own Bride Valley Pinot Noir 2018. And it's gorgeous. Mm. It's very light, almost ethereal, you know, an old school style mm. style of Pinot. It's it's elegant, very like the man. Yeah, old school, elegant, refined, yeah. So that one's 2150 from the vineyard. Um, we've got a personal tribute to Stephen on our website. We'll put a link to that in the show notes, also with a tasting note. So cheers to Stephen, uh, one of the great wine lovers of our time. Mm. Uh, now, talking of love, do you remember I said I had something on my sleeve very early on in this, uh, yeah, in, in this uh, episode relating to the Venus Karma Sutra? Yes. Yeah, and, and as far as I'm, I'm, I remember, you totally signed up to this. So this, there we go, it's your fault. Uh, well, anyway, Ollie ran this concept through the AI chatbot, ChatGPT. Did he now? I'm yeah. wondering who I don't know if you've seen it. It's been in the press a lot. Um, so the challenge being to get this artificial intelligence uh, to write about wine in the style of the Karma Sutra. Do you want to know what it came up with? Not really, but I have a feeling you're going to tell me anyway. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. Go on. Go. So, wine is a sensual pleasure that should be savoured and enjoyed. I don't know why I'm doing this voice. It just seems it's an AI. It's it's a computer, but it just seems like this is sort of bit Terry Thomas needs to be done. Anyway, wine is an art form with subtle nuances, complex flavours. To fully appreciate wine, one should approach it with an open mind and palate. The aroma should be inhaled deeply to to, to fully take in the bouquet. And as the wine is sipped, the taste should be savoured, rolling the liquid over the tongue (laughs) to discover the rich and varied flavours. The wine should be allowed to breathe as new flavours and aromas are revealed. In the end, wine should be fully experienced with all senses engaged and every moment (laughs) savoured. 
What do you, how do you think it's doing? <laughs> There's quite a lot of savouring going on, isn't there? There is actually. Oh, do, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm... <laughs> well, if that's the Venus Karma Sutra, that's fine by me. Okay. Um, it, yeah. it feels a little bit naughty, which is good, I think. Yeah, well, okay, okay. Well, that's not it. Um, oh, so so oh. it went on, it went on. Go um, on. <laughs> In addition, in addition to savouring the flavours, more savouring and aromas of wine, proper positioning oh, no, no. You... is also shift, is also important when participating in a wine tasting. When tasting wine, it is recommended to stand up straight with a slight forward lean, as this allows for the wine to flow easily to the back of the tongue for optimal taste detection. <laughs> I knew this AI thing wasn't going to end well. Well, I don't think I've ever been told how to stand up to taste my no, wine. No, it's there an we interesting go. one. Okay. Proper positioning. Go. Go on. Wait for the finale. Oh, Wait for oh. the finale. Here we go. When spitting wine, it is best to do so discreetly typically into a spittoon or bucket provided at the tasting. This allows one to taste the wine without consuming excessive amounts and to fully focus on evaluating the wine. It is also important to note that spitting wine is not mandatory. It is a matter of personal preference and the context. Some people prefer to swallow the wine and others prefer to spit it out. It is worth... No, can we just stop? It is worth noting here, it's the last sentence. It is worth noting that spitting wine is not disrespectful. It is a common practice in a professional wine tasting. It allows the taster to evaluate many wines in a short amount of time without getting drunk. And there we are. Mm. Are we really? Is that it? Please, please I think we're just going to leave it there. I think we've... There's, there's a mic, the mic's been dropped. We, we just need to move on. The only thing I'd say is here's the future of AI. Oh, yes, it's got yes. a it's got a it's got a long and I think we definitely need to wrap things up now, don't we? Please. Um, anyway, thank you for joining us. You may never join us again, but we will be back very soon with a brilliant episode, I promise you, all about Burgundy. Mm, all yeah. about mm. only Burgundy. Yeah, yeah, no um, AI, and it's yeah. a subject every wine lover is keen to dive into, quite literally in most cases. Yeah, yeah. Um in the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch with your views, I'm not sure we really want to ask those <laughs> about this or other wine related subject we'd love to hear from you and details of how to do just that are in the show notes yeah our thanks to Libby Brody Garrett Devaney and Peter McCombie and everyone else who kindly shared their views with us including even chat GPT uh, here's to being ever better wine lovers cheers cheers